Whatever you thought about how the March for Science was carried off, or whether you're wondering why the New York Times hired a columnist who interprets climate change data differently than the scientists who created that data, there are a lot of reasons to experiment to figure out better ways to talk about science. That's what we do here on The Conjectural, and we invite you to do it too. The data for our experiment, your feedback to theconjectural.com. For long-term sustained action, we need hope. We need love. We need encouragement. We need that sense of shared community of being in this together. And for many people, again, over 75% of the U.S., over 85 worldwide, faith communities often provide exactly that. On this episode of The Conjectural, leveraging religious support for climate policy and the Paris Climate Agreement. The White House is having an internal debate about whether to pull out of the Paris Agreement made in December 2015. Businesses have written a letter to urge the president to stick with the historic climate agreement. Businesses including Apple, BHP Billiton, BP, DuPont, General Mills, Google, Intel, Microsoft, National Grid, Novartis Corporation, PG&E, Prio Tinto, Schneider Electric, Shell, Unilever, and Walmart. But faith-based communities have been supporting climate change policy for decades. Even though, says climate scientist Catherine Hayhoe of Texas Tech University, In the United States, climate change has become one of the most politically polarized issues in the entire country, beating out gun control and abortion and on par with immigration, of all things. And at the same time, the best predictor of what we think about a changing climate is not how much we know about the science. It's simply where we fall on the political spectrum. So why are religious organizations in support of climate change legislation? And do you believe that they actually are? Fletcher Harper is an Episcopal priest and the executive director of Green Faith, an organization that describes itself as an interfaith coalition for the environment founded in 1992. One way to talk about the environment in religious settings that resonates is to recognize it as a gift. Working off of this theme of the natural world as a gift which evokes a response of gratitude and of responsibility um, is one way that we saw religious communities begin to respond to this topic. A second was was on the basic theme of moral or ethical responsibility. Um, And that follows naturally from the first assertion that the earth is a gift. So we've got a gift, we have a responsibility. The third piece then after establishing that basic kind of moral framework is is to talk about the fact that things are out of balance. Um, Again, we find, again, that that sort of um, language, that kind of metaphor is most familiar to people who are practitioners of the Dharmic traditions, which have, but it also, it, it resonates very consistently through Muslim teachings and writings, and it resonates certainly for Christians and Jews, it also has the advantage of connecting people with their everyday experience. When they realize that it's 50 degrees at 7 o'clock in the morning in Boston in the middle of February, um, it's not hard for people, regardless of their cultural or political or religious persuasion, to get the sense and to agree with the fact that perhaps something is out of balance. And a fourth theme from communicating about this, which again finds resonance in religious communities, is that it's time to wake up. 
Um, religious communities and traditions for, for millennia <clears throat> have used the metaphor of awakening uh, as a way of, of experiencing or undergoing a kind of enlightenment that's fundamental to changing one's life to live consistent with something that is true and deep and of profound and enduring value. So this, this idea from gift to responsibility to the recognition of out of balance to the importance of waking up, that, that sort of created a broad narrative framework that we found worked very well. But as you heard at the top of the show from Catherine Hayhoe... Again, over 75% of the U.S., over 85 worldwide, faith communities often provide exactly that. The hope, love, encouragement, and sense of community in order to have sustained action to address climate change. So if, as Reverend Fletcher Harper says, that it works to talk with religious communities about the environment as a gift, a responsibility, that things are out of balance, and we all need to wake up. And at the same time, 75% of people in the United States find their community in faith. Why still is it that religious Americans, on the whole, are more doubtful, even to the point of being completely dismissive about climate change? Again, Catherine Hayhoe. One of the main narratives or frames used to talk about climate change in religious circles is that of a false religion. Believers of the true religion will recognize that false religion and reject it. Aha! Why a false religion? Consider that the scientific consensus about climate change has theological implications for many people. How do we know this thing is real? If we think that God is in control, how could humans affect something as big as our planet? And what's the best, what's, what's the response to this issue that is consistent with who we are? And without religious leaders consistently answering those fundamental questions, well, climate change just becomes something to avoid discussing because it will just be something to fight about. Is this a private fight or can anyone get involved? Again, Reverend Fletcher Harper. It seems to me that, that certainly climate change um, represents the most public fight of our generation and perhaps of, of the new century. If this is the challenge, how do we connect climate change to religious identity, particularly Christian identity, and in particular conservative Christian identity? Matthew Nisbet researches science communication at Northeastern University. And how do we work through churches to get people involved on the issue of climate change and to communicate with them uh, we need to provide support and resources to congregational leaders. Um, and, and the scientific community needs to be part of that process. The research and resources already out there? One of them making the rounds was published by Echo America and includes example faith-based messages, even whole sample sermons. You can find it on the internet under the title, Let's Talk Climate Change, Messages to Motivate Americans. The best of these messages, says Nisbet. Importantly, they employ a story arc, a narrative arc, uh, that encompasses a challenge and action and a resolution, similar to the story arcs that are found in religious teachings or in popular movies, for that, for that matter. Sure. Consider the Star Wars saga. The story begins with Anakin Skywalker, who is conceived, well, he's a miracle baby, conceived by a woman who says he has no father. But Anakin... He's a child with extraordinary gifts. Sound like any popular religions you might know about? 
So I invite and challenge you, dear listener, to write a narrative about climate change that employs a story arc, encompasses a challenge, an action, and a resolution. Give it a try. Then write to us at theconjectural.com to let us know how it goes. You can also record yours and send it to us, and we may use it in a future show. You've been listening to The Conjectural, a show that's running an experiment. The data for this experiment? Your feedback to theconjectural.com, where you can also give the support that makes this show happen, download a transcript, and subscribe. Support for this episode comes from listeners like you. I'm Robert Frederick. Follow me on Twitter at The Conjectural. Thanks for joining us.